just a couple of announcements. We have some really good programs coming up over the next week or two. This Thursday, the 11th of March, at 7.30, we have a free event, which is to celebrate Shivaratri. So it's the, the great celebration in Hinduism of Shiva's victory over the poison of the world. Shiva drank the poison which turned his throat blue. And on this night, every mantra that you say is worth... How many is it worth, Swamiji? Uh, 100,000. Sounds good. I think we'll bank that. 100,000. So <laughs> come along. It's this Thursday. And then next Saturday we have um, a double header. We've got Guruji's birthday and the Shivaratri satsang. So that's on the 13th of March. So come along and help us celebrate Guruji's birthday. And you can reserve your place for both these events by booking online at theashram.com.au. And tomorrow, if you're used to tuning in to the Guru Gita, we've got a bit of a, um, a spontaneous event happening. Instead of having the Guru Gita, we'll be having a, um, a yagna or fire ceremony at 10.30. If you'd like to come to this in person, turn up at 10.15, so a little bit earlier, and please bring your um, Guru Gita book with you because we'll be chanting some things from that. This is also going to be available for weekly online subscribers and if you go to your bonus content page, you will find everything you need for the link. <coughs> so, anyway, tonight... I had uh, I had planned to talk about um, uh, Shraddha and Saburi. <laughs> That's uh, perseverance. No, actually, uh, I was going to mention that Nilavati um, talked about these two qualities, Shraddha and Saburi, which which uh, Shirdi Sai Baba emphasized. But I was looking at a passage, too, about great qualities, qualities of yoga uh, that help us through difficult times. We've had a devilish year, extraordinary year, like nothing. Uh, the only thing that could compare to it is living in a war. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, it seems like we may be coming out of it. Certainly, here in Melbourne, we're very lucky and blessed. Um, but I was reading some passage in Aurobindo, and he talks about wonderful qualities in difficult times. And he talked about faith, which is like Sai Baba's strata. Faith, an attitude of surrender. Love, he talked about. What? I'll get there. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Devi Ma. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I meant it all the time. I meant it all the time. Um, devotion <clears throat> and calmness and equanimity. Orbindo always emphasizes, he said, for the, for the force, for the Kundalini Shakti to work best, you have to find a place of calmness. Because when you're calm, then the Shakti works best than you. When you're, when you're agitated, it gets all jammed up in different ways. So 
He always told people to have faith and be calm and don't push to get the, wherever you're going too fast and just be content and, and sit calmly. <clears throat> Great qualities for a yogi. Which one of those do you like the best? Love is the best. <clears throat> and then everything else is also good. <clears throat> and now I, this is the time in the program I meant to say, Sabko Sanmane Kesat Prem Sehadik Swagat, which is the way Baba began every program by welcoming everyone with love. <clears throat> and so in that spirit, I want to welcome everybody in the room. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> and we've got a few more outside visitors these days. And everybody watching in Radio Land or listening in Radio Land. And our radios have the uh, ability to watch on. <clears throat> you think that's called the television? No, I'm sorry, it's a radio. <clears throat> so this is, <clears throat> this is uh, for me the high point of the week, satsang. Uh, and in satsang, we celebrate the guru principle, the great beings. Guru principle is uh, a part of the benevolence of the universe, the benevolence of God that gives us, these, these great beings give us a way, a path to our deepest nature, a path to our own true self. And so uh, I highly value these great beings, uh, all the great beings of all the traditions who have attained the goal of God consciousness and through their teachings and through their being, they enable us to make that same contact and even transmit the shakti, the power of divinity to us. So I value that above all things. And uh, tonight, uh, I, each night, each time I celebrate a different great being, uh, but tonight I celebrate my favorite great being. Who is that? <coughs> That's Baba Muktananda, of course. My guru, Baba. <coughs> one celebrates all the great beings, but one's own guru is very special. One can celebrate all the doorways, but only the door that you go through is the important door. Uh, and so your guru is the opening, uh, the, the channel that you've been given to attain the divine. So uh, guru has to be cherished and honored and loved. So here's a picture in Ganeshpuri. This is in the dining hall, probably in the kitchen, actually. Baba, I recognize uh, the man behind Baba is uh, Maharaj the cook, the Brahmin cook of those days. This, and behind him is Venkapa. And um, <coughs> uh, they're walking through the... Uh, I guess I think they're making probably making chapatis in the kitchen there. Back in my day, this is in in the seventies in the ashram in Ganeshpuri. Next, <laughs> now this is Baba in Ganeshpuri. He looks so cute because he doesn't have his teeth in. 
<coughs> and uh, I think this is just before I got there, right, probably late 60s. Um, you can tell he's not in the West. You just look at his beard. Take a look at his beard, and in the next picture you'll see what his beard looks like in the West. Very tailored. He probably would say, I'm a gentleman, Swami, when I travel. So this is Baba giving a talk uh, at one of his satsangs in, uh, in the West. Is that it? One more. Oh, my. And that's the talk at probably the biggest event when he spoke at Carnegie Hall in New York, the famous uh, uh, musical hall in New York. <clears throat> my parents went to that that night. They, they went backstage and saw Baba, and I was uh, I was in Australia doing this. So tonight uh, the subject is Baba Muktananda, some of his uh, talks and his writings, <clears throat> mostly on tour. In fact, I think all on tour. One of the qualities: surrender. So this is on the meaning of surrender. Question, do trust and surrender arise by themselves or can I will them? Isn't that antithetical? I'm going to will surrender. <laughs> Baba says, you have to create the feeling of trust inside. However, when understanding arises, surrender takes place of its own accord. So what are you saying? That Understanding is the important thing. Surrender is kind of an emotional thing. If you have the understanding, the emotions will follow. <clears throat> you do not have to do anything. Many people ask me to explain surrender. However, they do not have the right understanding. When you do not understand the meaning of surrender, the secret of surrender, you do not feel like surrendering. <clears throat> if there's a gutter full of filthy water, and the water runs into the sacred water of the Ganges, that gutter water also becomes sacred water. All its impurities and filth disappear. However, if the gutter is very much attached to its filth, if it's afraid of losing its filth, it might not like the idea of surrendering itself to the Ganges. That's called a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> So, <clears throat> so if we're attached to our filth, we don't want to surrender. Now, here, what does anyone really lose through surrender except his impurities and negativities? We're afraid of surrender because we do not understand its secret. <clears throat> Most people confuse surrender with slavery, and that's why they're afraid of it. Surrender is not slavery. In fact, surrender frees you from slavery and brings you total freedom. True surrender is having the awareness of God in everything, in every feeling, action, and vision. Wherever you look, you should see the pulsation of consciousness. You should experience the inspiration of consciousness. That is true surrender. <clears throat> Here's one on dependence. Question. <clears throat> Pardon me. 
Yesterday you said something about depending on the guru. I very rarely depended on others because I have not found many people on whom I could depend. You seem to be pretty dependable. <laughs> but, but I still find it hard to depend on you. Do you have any suggestions on how I should solve this problem? Baba, by depending on the guru, I mean that you should depend on him for help and support. The guru represents a direction, an inner direction, where a connection is made and where uh, a connection access point to the shakti, to the supreme energy. Baba says, having the faith that the guru will certainly give you shakti, that he will always protect you, is what I mean by depending on the guru. In the Bhagavad Gita, great stress is laid on dependence on God. Lord Krishna tells Arjuna, take refuge in me alone. Give yourself completely to me, and I will free you from all evils. If a sick person hands himself over to a doctor's care, his faith that the doctor will try every possible means within his power to cure him. A baby depends on his mother completely, and his faith she'll look after him in every possible way. In the same way, you should learn to depend on the guru with the faith that you will certainly receive something from him. This is devotion of a very high order. Such devotion brings meditation. <clears throat> and now I've got, uh, found an interesting uh, dialogue, quite an extensive dialogue from Baba on tour from early in 1974, the Second World Tour. I was with him then. It might have been, this, these, this dialogue might even have happened in Australia. But it's not clear. But uh, various questions, although there's one internal thing about uh, America, but we'll see. Bunch of questions with Baba, early 74. Uh, question, you always refer to the self in your talks. Actually, they say Atman, which is the self, but I'll translate it self. You always refer to the self in your talks. What exactly is this self? I once asked Baba that very same question. What is the self you keep talking about? He said, you're an idiot to ask such a question. Baba, well, the self is just the self. I don't think anything can be likened to it. <clears throat> but just to explain to you, I can say that the shakti, the energy by which we live, is the self. The shakti, which is moving this whole world, is also called the self. Our bodily movements and functions, both physical and mental, are possible only because of the self. Our very existence is based on the existence of the self. And the first uh, sutra in Kashmir Shaivism says, Chaitanyam Atman, the most important sutra. It's enough. They could have dissolved the whole discipline and just left you with that. The self is consciousness. It also means the, the center of the universe, the center of everything is consciousness. The conscious principle is the underlying and most important principle in the universe. And it's also who we are, the conscious principle. 
And so when we meditate, we meditate on our own awareness and we cleanse our awareness of all its neuroses, its worries, its fears, its anger, its greed, its attachment, all those qualities. And if we can keep doing that, then the, the gutter water becomes the Ganges. <clears throat> and it, when we reach pure consciousness, we have nothing but peace and joy and wisdom. And all this is potential within us, within the self. Question. A lot of people have left everything, their families, homes, and jobs, and are following you wherever you go. Is this the goal of Siddhi Yoga? <clears throat> Baba, that all people have left everything is not true. In many cases, both husband and wife come. In some cases, their children also come, or else they are left in good hands. Siddhi Yoga does not take the devotee away from his job, business, wife, or children. It is known for its universal, universality. It does not look upon the Jew, the Sufi, or the Christian as separate from one another. It is not limited to a particular caste or a particular religion. This yoga does not require you to embrace a new religion or to give up the old one. Here one meditates on one's own self. This yoga helps discover and reveal the divinity within. So Baba was uh, transcendent in that he never, he never was, uh, he, he always was universal. The self is universal. The self is the same in a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, an atheist. The same self exists. And he would always say, meditate on the self. And he had, he had followers in every religion because it was trans transcendental religion. Question, who may be called a saint? <clears throat> Baba, to understand a saint, you have yourself to be in some measure a saint. You can only understand according to the level, your own level. Just as to understand fish and its life in water, you have to identify with it to some extent. I think that's quoting uh, Kabir who said, to, to be understand a fish, you have to be a fish living in water. <clears throat> However, I can say that if in his presence your inner life undergoes changes, you may be sure that you're in the company of a saint. At present, many of us are merely acting as underlings of the mind, of the desires and the senses. We do their bidding. Whatever whims our mind have, whatever we want, this is what runs us. Uh, a saint's company will enable us to be the real master of the senses and desires in our mind. Then we gain authority in our own life. We're not just sent hither and yon by the whims of the mind and, and by our negative emotions. Question, is it good to be free of desires? Baba, of course, to be free of desires is an ideal state. But living in the world, some desire or the other may exist. However, when a, a seeker attains perfection and is stabilized in the self, desires would disappear just as after a hearty meal one has no desire for food. <clears throat> what would it be like to live with perfect contentment without desire or fear? Things the way they are, is, it's okay. It's okay, just as you are, just as it is. 
what would you be like there? The image of that is Bhagwan Nityananda. Bhagwan Nityananda is always the image of that, the person who is completely fulfilled with whatever is in front of him. And what does that mean? What would that be like for you? How far is each of us from that? If you're honest, you'll see that there's a certain distance from that kind of ideal. But if you could attain that ideal, you would have tremendous peace, tremendous fulfillment. Question, what do you think about God? That's a very rude question, isn't it? <clears throat> Baba says, I feel the existence of God. Great statement, I feel the existence of God. Do you feel the existence of God? Yeah? Feel the existence of God. He is the truth. Many people have experienced him and many can see him. It is not only imagination, but a reality. Okay, so I ask a bold question. How many of you feel that you've had a direct experience of God? Raise your hand, come on, let me see. How many of you experience it through a vision of God? How many through the feeling of God? <laughs> Mostly feeling. <coughs> okay. <coughs> See that in Radio Land? How many of you in Radio Land? In meditation, you too will be able to discover that something within you, that something, I'm sorry, you will discover that something within you that is the Lord of all. When you meditate deeply, you find that something. Because it doesn't say, I'm God, hello. <laughs> Who is it that plays God in all the movies? Morgan. What? Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Hello, here I am. <clears throat> it doesn't announce like that. It's a something that's unmistakable. He is the pulsation of all life, the spanda principle. We believe him to be omniscient and omnipresent. You like these questions? That's great, huh? I'm really enjoying them. Question. <clears throat> According to you, what is good and what is evil? Baba, that's an interesting question. Doing good to others is good and harming them is evil. Nice. A friendly attitude is good, but jealousy is evil. It's, it's interesting, friendliness, and then he opposes jealousy. Interesting, isn't it? Question. Why are so many people indifferent to God? Bob's answer is interesting, curious. They're indifferent to discrimination and right understanding, not to God. You may imagine him to be somewhere far off, but he is close to you, in fact, within you. Question, how can one tell when one needs a guru? Baba, and this is also an interesting answer. What do you think he's going to say? Hmm? <clears throat> okay. He says, if deep love and devotion for the Lord arise in your heart, know that the time has come to look for a guru. Just as when you're hungry, you look for a restaurant. 
when you're hit with that madness with some that higher meaning. <clears throat> Question. Is it essential to renounce the world for God realization? <laughs> Bob is saying, oh no. Many have left their homes and have they had realization? In India there's thousands who've renounced and wandering around uh, Bob <clears throat> says, have they attained it? No. Quite a few people have experienced divine love while living in the world. Some others have felt extreme indifference and detachment to this world. And if they decide to renounce it, it's a different matter. So some people, it's natural to do that. It does not, however, mean that this world is an obstacle to the Godward journey. The emphasis should be, get, be on giving up attachment rather than things. It's not the things, it's the emotional relationship we have with things. It's, it's to establish the proper relationship with things. Because even a, a sadhu in the Himalayas has to deal with physical objects and food and stuff like that. So it's our relationship to things, it's the attachment. God has created this world as an aid and not as an obstacle to this path. Since the being that resides within you pervades the whole of this world, how can this world be an obstacle? Question. Another interesting question. Are there other, any other gurus in India who can give Shaktipat? <clears throat> Baba says, yes, there are a few now. One took nirvana, took samadhi about a month ago. Gulavani Maharaj. Baba used to talk about him. He was... Uh, uh, he was a saint that lived in Pune during the time I was in in uh, in the ashram, and he died just before we or just before we went on tour. He's Baba says he was very high, but there are only a few yogis who can give it. On the other hand, there are many gurus who teach Vedanta, Bhakti Yoga, Jnana Yoga, Hatha Yoga. We have many such gurus in India. Shaktipat gurus aren't common. So a lot who teach the biggest path of scripture, but to, the ability to awaken the inner energy, that's rare. Shakti Baba says, Shaktipat is a wonderful thing. It is given through the grace of a great guru. These gurus come from Siddha Loka, the world of Siddhas. This world is sometimes revealed to meditators. <clears throat> it's a subtle world. Question, do they live there in their physical bodies? Baba, no, in the body of pure consciousness. It's not a physical place. People meditating may see the principle of pure consciousness in the sahasrar, that's the body they live in, the, 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 uh, the body of consciousness. <clears throat> I edited out something here, should I tell you? Pretty kooky. Baba actually said, <laughs> the gurus come from Siddhaloka, the world of Siddhas, which is on Jupiter. <laughs> I thought you wouldn't be able to take that. <laughs> Isn't that kooky? Jupiter is, you know, the word, you know, the the, the Hindi word for uh, the planet Jupiter. You know, some of you know, Guru. It's called Guru. Uh, so and. Um, they say that Jupiter has its own energy source, unlike 
the other planets except the sun. That's what they say. So, so Papa says the, the world of cities is on Jupiter, but not physical. It's in subtle plane. <clears throat> so have, have uh, we haven't visited Jupiter, have we yet? Have we sent a Jupiter probe like we did a Mars probe? Huh? Yeah? Huh? What? Why, why, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Jupiter in, in astrology is the principle of grace and expansion and so on. So, anyway. Uh, question What dangers lie in the study of Kundalini Yoga? <clears throat> Let me say from personal experience every danger is in, <laughs> in this yoga. <laughs> And every joy as well. <laughs> Baba, there's a danger to wickedness in practicing kundalini yoga. Not to the individual, only to wickedness, delusion, depravity, ignorance, envy, and jealousy. It roots out these wonderful qualities. <clears throat> Stay pure and keep practicing. There's another danger, and that's to say, I am perfect when you've done a little practice when the ego gets puffed up from a few experiences. Otherwise, there are no dangers in kundalini yoga. Dangers to your ignorance, and also you might get puffed up. But if you get puffed up, ask Devi Ma and she'll keep you, <laughs> chop you down. <laughs> I got more of these, you want some more? Wow. Question. How does one maintain the contact with the guru so essential to spiritual development? Baba, you have to have a pure inner love for the guru, a pure inner affection, and follow his teaching, then you'll always be in contact with him. That feeling of love is, becomes a, a conduit to the shakti. And if, it, if the, that energy changes, then the shakti is blocked. If the guru has planted the seed of yoga in you and activated inner yoga, he will always be working inside you in the form of shakti. The real guru, the guru principle is the shakti, is the energy. And that energy inside you is always perfectly responsive to your state of consciousness. When you're in a state of love and openness and surrender, the shakti leaps up. And when you're in a state of confusion and jealousy and hatred and so on, the shakti disappears and you feel bereft. But if you can learn to open, the shakti dances within you. He always lives in your heart in the form of the mantra. So look for him there. That's the best way to maintain contact with him, through looking inside. You might have heard all sorts of things about gurus, but the true guru activates the mantra in the heart of his disciple and fills him with love and peace. Question. Even after continued japa, if one does not enter a state of meditation, what should one do? Japa, of course, is repetition of the mantra. So that's the simplest and, and one of the best techniques of yoga is just to repeat the mantra. Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Guru Om, Guru Om. So what happens if you keep repeating it and you don't get meditation? Baba says, even if you cannot meditate or get into the state of tundra, 
which is like a meditative sleep. And even if you are not able to stabilize your mind, keep on doing your japa. Japa has great divine possibilities. Quoting Shiva, I say that all attainments are possible with mantra repetition. Kings like Janaka and Rishis like Vashishta attain perfection through repetition of mantra. Do not let your mind dwell on the outward signs that are happening to you, nor are such thoughts proper in this tradition. Mantra may not bear fruit instantaneously. It will take time. In the course of time, it will reward you in full measure. In fact, a real japa yogi does not even seek the one-pointedness of mind because in the void, his japa will come to a halt. He loves to repeat the mantra so much, he doesn't even want to meditate. He's a little crazy, but then that's his thing. <clears throat> a lot of people have experienced that one-pointedness, but I cannot say that they're all liberated beings. My, voice, my advice to you, therefore, is to keep on with your japa. Keep saying it. Wow, this is... <clears throat> this is long. Are you still with me? Fascinating questions, actually. Question, uh, this is really interesting. At the time of Drishti Diksha, on what point does the guru concentrate? At the Ajna Chakra? That's very technical. You know what Dristi Diksha is? It's Shaktipat through glance. There the are different ways to give Shaktipat, as Baba will explain. Um, but one is by look. And so at the time of giving Shaktipat through glance, where does the guru concentrate? And he says, is it on the Ajna Chakra? Baba says, the Ajna Chakra is between the eyebrows. That is the seat of the guru. And with his grace, the disciple comes beyond that place. They say the guru dwells in this spot, uh, and only with the, uh, you can reach that spot, but only with the grace can you go to, up to the Sahasrara, is what they say, with the guru's command. <coughs> He can experience the state where there's no difference between the seer and the seen. There's no duality. The seer is the seen, the seen is the seer. There's no inside and outside, and no word or touch. That state is indescribable. In fact, silence is its only description. State of oneness, nirvikalpa samadhi. Question, you got diksha through a look from Bhagwan Nityananda, would you say something about it? <clears throat> Baba says, because he did, Baba, he stared into Baba's eyes and transmitted the energy. Baba says, a Siddha Guru gives diksha in four different ways, gives Shaktipat, by darshan, by touch, by mentally willing it, and by word of mouth. Drishti Diksha is also called Mayor Diksha, um, which is peacock, because the peacock impregnates the female peacock with a look, without touch. Did you know that? <laughs> the, the male peacock shows its feathers, and the, uh, she's pregnant. <laughs> That's the story she told the principal, the female peacock told the principal. <laughs> That's, That's Hindu uh, headwaggle science, you know. Anyway, so they, that, that's why Baba used the peacock feathers, because it has these eyes on it. Those are the ones that 
So it's like a, that's another metaphor uh, of transmission of shakti. <coughs> Diksha by touch can take place in many ways. The guru may throw at his disciple something he's touched. Or he could touch him between the brows or touch him in the muladhar with his foot, <coughs> base chakra. The third variety of diksha is mental. The guru mentally wills or ordains it and the disciple re receives initiation. A disciple can be initiated by word too. This is when the guru says some word or mantra in the disciple's ear or even gives a, a teaching, a great statement to the disciple. <clears throat> I got, let's see. Okay, last page, ready? Question, the yanis state that the seat of the self is in the hridaya. The, the, the people, the yogis who practice the path of wisdom say that the seat of the self is in the heart. The yogis say it is in the sahasra. Why is that so? Yogis say that uh, the energy has to be brought up to the sahasra. Shiva, shakti has to come to Shiva in the sahasra. That's a yogi point of view. While um, uh, the yanis say it's in the heart, like uh, Ramana Maharshi would say, it's in the heart. So Baba says there are two hridayas, two hearts. The sahasrara is referred to as the antakoti hridaya, and the hridaya is referred to as the, and the, this heart as the adikoti hridaya. So it's the higher and the lower. <clears throat> the Atman resides in the entire region between the heart and the sahasrara. This is really interesting. I've never heard Baba say this before. It's the whole region. You can experience the self in the heart or in the sahasrara in this whole region. <clears throat> that is why one who has seen the self in the heart has also seen it in the sahasrara. Anyone who understands the heart also understands the sahasrara. In this way, both the yani and the yogi are one. <clears throat> Question. We hear your drishti, your vision, is very potent and it gives spiritual experiences to sadhakas, to seekers. What is your own state when you look at devotees? Very <laughs> rude question, isn't it? Polite. <clears throat> it was naive times. You could ask questions like that. Baba, I see my own self in others. When a person has realized the truth, he does not see one person as a writer, another as a reporter or a translator. Shaktipat is made possible by looking at all as your very self. Just as when you look upon a person as a friend, automatically love wells up within. Mama sees everything as a self. Question, I'm a correspondent for the New York Post. I write on religious subjects. Baba, well, the self and not religion is my field. I'm not a supporter of a particular religion and I support the universality of the self. And last question. <clears throat> These days, one comes across a large number of bogus gurus. In spite of having bogus gurus, their followers seem to be full of hope, joy, and devotion. <laughs> Baba, I'm not concerned with these bogus gurus and their actions, but I can say that their followers 
can go far ahead of them with good deeds and determination. So even if you have a bogus guru, there's hope for everybody. If you have a bogus guru, you can go forward. <coughs> I shall illustrate my point with a story. In India, we offer worship to idols of deities. Now, the idol can be made of metal or stone. It can even be made of wood. It can happen that the wood used for making the idol is attacked by white ants. A scientist may well see these insects behind the idol, but the devotee will see only the form of the deity. Precisely for this reason, the devotee, by repeating Rama, Rama, becomes finally merged in Ram. The insects on the wooden image neither distract him nor detract from his faith. Faith yields results always and everywhere. Even if the guru is not a real one, it will not harm a devotee who is pure. With the passage of time, the devotee will have a better understanding and develop a keener discrimination which will lead him to the right path. Right understanding does arise from within, ultimately. Good. That's a whole set of questions I found in an obscure old magazine from Delhi, City Yoga magazine. And I just have another short question, a couple of questions on mantra, which I thought would be nice to end with so we can go and uh, meditate. <coughs> Question, how can I transcend those times when I feel confused and unable to concentrate and find peace inside? Baba says, keep repeating your mantra. Keep repeating it obstinately. What was it? Persistently. Was that persistence? Perseverance. Per with perseverance. If you keep at the mantra, come what may, you will certainly transcend confusion. This is exactly what the mantra is for, to bring the mind to heal. The purpose of mantra repetition is concentration of mind. It's very good when your mind is going in bad directions, into worry, paranoia, fear, anger, jealousy, obsession. Mantra is very good. Much better, say the mantra, than to allow those unhealthy states of mind to take you over. Question, how can one concentrate on the formless and control the mind? <laughs> Once to meditate on pure awareness. Baba says, first concentrate on the mantra, and the mantra will take you to the formless one. As you pursue the mantra, more and more will take you to the formless one. It's very hard to meditate directly on pure consciousness. So first, usually you need something to put your mind on. But eventually, you'll be able to meditate on just pure awareness itself. But first, you, it's good to take the aid of something for, that can hold the mind. As you meditate continually, there comes a point when you forget what is outside and what is inside. You also forget yourself completely. It is at this point that you're meditating on the formless one. So let the mantra take you to the highest meditation. So we'll meditate. And the goal of uh, everything that we do is this self within, this place within exists within every person. And we should become very familiar with that, that place. I call it the clear space of good feeling. 
it's much closer than we think. We keep hearing the word Atman, self, many Sanskrit terms. We see all these rituals, all these methods, all these techniques. We think it's very far away. But if you, everyone understands the clear space of good feeling, everyone has been in that state, of that clear space of good feeling. But we're easily shaken from that state. We're easily taken away from that state. So to cultivate that state, the clear space of good feeling, to stay in that state, to learn how to navigate to that state, that is the essence of the yoga that we do. So we meditate, go to that place, place of clarity and peace, not worry, not many considerations, good feeling, peaceful feeling, loving feeling. Go to that place. The place exists within every one of us. And then learn how to extend that feeling into your whole day. More and more, extend that into your day and your whole life by worshiping that clear space of good feeling is transformed. So let's meditate now. We'll meditate now for 10 minutes. So once again, with great love and respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. Sakunat Haraj TJ will meditate for 10 minutes. Hi, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not check out Swamiji's latest book, Ganesh Pri Days, Memoirs of a Western Yogi. It's about the time he spent in India with his guru, Baba Muktananda, in the 1970s, and it's a great read. To get a copy, go to GaneshPriDays.com. That's G-A-N-E-S-H-P-U-R-I, days.com. Wherever you are in the world, you can get the book on Kindle or printed in your own country.